We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, you sweet soul. Thank you for making Empower Radio and Journey to Center a part of your day today. I hope you're feeling the energy hug I'm sending your way and receiving the blessings that are pouring down on you from angels seen and unseen. So would you like to surrender some negative habits along with the energy of anxiety, fear, and worry? Would you like to simply relax into a state of peace, happiness, and freedom? It sounds pretty great, doesn't it? Years ago, I suffered intensely with anxiety and depression. And after spending a great deal of time in counseling, getting degrees in psychology, spiritual psychology, hypnotherapy, and metaphysics, I have to say, I finally do feel peaceful, happy, and free. It would have been great if I could have come to this place more quickly, but I'm immensely grateful that I've settled into the space of internal freedom and now have the pleasure and privilege of hosting this show so I can share with you what I've learned as well as feature my friends and experts who offer important information to assist you in claiming a more happy, peaceful, free, and empowered life. Today, I'm so happy to continue my enlightening conversation with my guest, Dr. Robert London. Dr. London wrote a wonderful book and guide called Finding Freedom Fast, Short-Term Therapy That Works. Dr. London is a well-known psychiatrist, cognitive therapy expert, educator, and writer. He's been a practitioner for 40 years and the founder and former head of the short-term psychotherapy unit at NYU Langone Medical Center. His articles and columns have been featured in newspapers, leading medical journals, and popular magazines. He's also a frequent expert source on television, radio, and here with us today on my show, Journey to Center. So, Dr. London, thank you for saying yes to a second show with us here on Journey to Center. Well, thank you very much for having me, and thank you for that lovely, lovely introduction. Absolutely. So, to continue our conversation from last week, I found it interesting to hear you share that treating anxiety with psychiatry and psychotherapy is not generally effective. Can you kind of put in a nutshell why this is? One would think it would be. Why isn't it? Why isn't Well, in other words, um, I, my belief is that you can circumscribe some of these problems and teach people how to cope with their anxiety and phobias. Um, and at times, sometimes medication management is needed. At times, certain long-term treatments are needed. But I think the way to start, and which has been most of my 40-year career, has been to try and circumscribe the problem and mm-hmm. treat it. Uh, as you do in most any other medical field. Yes. So you offer something called short-term therapy. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is? Well, short-term therapy, doesn't, in, my, in my view, it doesn't have to have a specific number of, of days or weeks or months, but it has to be able to start with identifying the problem and who identifies the problem best with the person coming to see you for help. What mm-hmm. is the problem? What is the anxiety situation? Is it anxiety over everything? Or is it anxiety about just going to work with an intimidating boss? Is it anxiety about getting in the car and driving through a tunnel or a bridge? Um, what, what's the cause of this? Is it a phobic response? Is it some type of um, post-traumatic stress disorder? Are you having sleeping problems because your life is a little bit out of control and you need help with um, your insomnia problem. 
it, it can take on many, many, many roles in terms of, say, for example, post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't do work with the military, but to me, there are many, many situations in civilian life that um, create a post-traumatic stress disorder. That's my experience. Mm-hmm. When you define post-traumatic stress disorder, which was fully defined in 1980 in the psychiatric uh, diagnostic uh, book called the DSM, um, it has been around a very, very long time, going back um, thousands of years. But we've, the psychiatry and psychology finally put it together as a specific label in the 1980 book. And it's relating to severe trauma, man-made trauma, natural uh, disasters, um, torture, and anything that may be life-threatening or life-threatening to someone around you. However, in my experience, it's more how the person processes the information in terms of uh, rather than the actual frightening uh, experience. For example, there are some people who process a bankruptcy, a divorce, a loss of a loved one in in the most uh, intense way. And as their brain processes, as processes the information, it's almost like a catastrophic event. So it's an individual thing. And I've seen a lot of that. And in my experience, I'm trying to expand my definition of post-traumatic stress disorder. And many folks who I've seen have had this and they've been diagnosed with some form of depression or they've been diagnosed with some form of anxiety. But once you find out a little bit more, it is a PTSD phenomenon. And it wasn't based on a hurricane or an earthquake or being in a war zone. It was based on losing the job, losing your ability to pay your expenses, uh, losing, um, going through a divorce and feeling that just shattered your life. And as I said earlier, how we process the information is what seems to matter because there's some folks who go through these civilian type of situations that are not fully designated as PTSD and they handle it just, just fine. You know, there's someone who picks up a heavy box and it's just fine, and someone else picks up a heavy box, and their back goes out. Mm-hmm. We have all these individual differences, and I'm kind of discussing this post-traumatic stress. But there are other situations. Uh, you know, I think about this uh, woman lawyer who was a – actually, she was a very uh, successful divorce lawyer. But the biggest problem was um, to get to work. She had to cross a bridge. A uh, tunnel was far out of the way, but a bridge was there. And all she kept thinking about is, uh, oh, if the bridge collapses, you know, and uh, there was usually a lot of traffic when she went to work. She couldn't take public transportation because eight out of 10 times she was carrying all kinds of stuff for uh, courtrooms, for examinations before trials, all kinds of uh, material. And she used the car. And basically, her anxiety was really handicapping her career. And it was really bothering the family because um, basically, uh, the husband and her husband and the children were aware of this anxiety when she had to leave home. And with her, we just, I taught her a simple way of self hypnosis, you know, Mm -hmm. counting from one to three and putting herself in a relaxed state. She was fairly hypnotizable. Uh, which is the same thing as, in my opinion, as meditation. It's the same thing as mindfulness. My experience there um, from uh, my training 
is about 80% of the population seems to have the ability to shift gears mm. and go into this intense form of concentration, which is how I and many other experts have um, defined hypnosis, mm -hmm. uh, intense form of concentration at the expense of the periphery. And what happened was I had her imagine this great big movie screen. And this is short-term therapy. It lasted about three months. But to me, that's short-term because she wasn't talking about uh, all kinds of feelings and all kinds of stuff, which is relevant in many situations. But she wanted to solve this problem and keep working as a successful attorney. And basically, um, the night before she had to travel over the bridge, she would see this great big movie screen and she would project her anxieties on the left side of the screen. First of all, she'd put a thick line down the center of the screen and she would project her anxieties, obviously related to driving across the bridge, on the left side of the screen. Then I would have her shift over to the right side of the screen and float and drift into any pleasant experience she wished. And she would link the pleasant experience with the anxiety-provoking experience. And Joseph Walpe, way in the late 40s, uh, a psychiatrist originally from South Africa showed that anxiety is incompatible most always with pleasantness. So hmm. basically her pleasant views would um, overwhelm the anxiety visualizations. And I would set up with this particular person a hierarchy. I would have her imagine um, the anxiety, but first she would start off with no anxiety, having meal the night before, um, going to sleep, having as quiet a breakfast as she could have, and then visualizing more and more of getting in the car and going towards the going towards the, um, the the bridge. And she practiced this, and then she linked it with whatever pleasant experiences she picked. That was none of my business. And she picked this pleasant experience. And before I knew it, with a number of practice sessions, and talking about various things that triggered her anxiety, um, she was able to just use that screen five, six, seven times a day for a minute or two or three, obviously not when she's driving a car, right. to visualize something pleasant and decrease her level of anxiety. And she didn't need to see these anxiety-provoking situations on the screen either. So she was able to overcome this with a specific, specific technique. Right. Did we talk about other things? Yes, because when you spend an hour, an hour and a quarter with someone, other subjects may come up. But this was circumscribing her anxiety and phobic situation about driving over a bridge. She was uh, able, interestingly enough, a few times she actually took public transportation. It worked out well. Um, when she was surrounded with other people. This is something we didn't quite get into because she just wanted the problem solved vis-a-vis -vis her driving. And it was a short-term therapeutic situation. I talk about this somewhat in the book, the Find Freedom Fast. And she came with a problem. We solved the problem. And it was a sh it, to define more or less the question you asked, it is a short-term therapeutic technique. Could we have talked about um, how she became this way, what happened, or the certain days she's more anxious than other days, uh, and gone into all kinds of stuff. And she actually had been in a long-term therapeutic situation before to solve this problem, and it didn't work out. She knew about her upbringing. She knew this. She knew that. 
but she was very um, methodical and very clear, as, as a good attorney would be, in um, saying just what she wanted. And it was important uh, to relate to just what she wanted. If I couldn't provide that, I would have to send her elsewhere or, or let some or let her know that this is not what I do. But in this case, this was what I do because she obviously came from a good referral source, a primary care doctor. And um, so we knew what we were going to do, and it, it, it worked. And the outcome was, was good. So, Dr. London, what I really, really loved about learning about you and reading your book is that you are a proponent and educated in the area of hypnosis, guided meditation, self-hypnosis. Um, Can you tell me why you think this is so powerful and effective and... Um, why you think it's such an important part of the healing puzzle? Well, for someone who wants to uh, solve a problem, uh, using hypnosis, which is essentially focused concentration at the expense of the periphery, it's not sleep. It's your ability to go into sort of like a zone where you can concentrate on a specific strategy. I think with hypnosis, it's not just the hypnotic phenomena of relaxing, but it's also a strategy that you can teach someone, like, like I had done with the uh, bridge anxiety uh, attorney. And it's really your way of, of learning something new and affecting change. There are a lot of uh, concepts out there called meditation, uh, called mindfulness, called relaxation. And my opinion and my experience, and I learned this from my mentor at New York, uh, at Presbyterian Columbia University, Dr. Spiegel, that basically there are many, many ceremonies to uh, achieve the same phenomena with someone you're working with. And whether, as I say, whether it's um, a different ceremony, you're still using the person's innate ability to shift gears and focus on a specific uh, issue. And then you can use a particular strategy, whether it's for post-traumatic stress disorder, whether it's for insomnia, anxiety, phobias, to let them um, desensitize, let the person desensitize themselves from the problem and go on to a better and a richer lifestyle and fulfill uh, your potential in life instead of being held back by all these difficulties when you're having a, an emotional problem that gets in the way of daily living. Yeah, you know, as a hypnotherapist myself, I was told that it takes you to a different kind of brainwave state. You're going from that beta to the theta brainwave state, alpha, theta, beta, where you're just more peaceful, more relaxed, more calm. And I think the more I've learned to do guided meditation and hypnosis, the more it seems to calm me down in, in every area of my life, that I have this ability to just kind of, okay, I'm going to that place in my brain. And I love something you said, Dr. London, when we spoke before the show, that you say it's different ceremonies for the same thing. Well, that's what, that's what I believe, because I, I don't believe there's a specific part of the brain for mindfulness and a specific part of the brain for uh, transcendental meditation and a specific part of the brain um, that's used when you're in a yoga state or a specific part of the brain for hypnosis, and some people call it relaxation. I think it's just different ceremonies mm -hmm. that get into the same phenomena. And different people have different aesthetic values, and one ceremony may appeal where another doesn't. And there are people who are just not good at all with the hypnotic phenomenon. If the hypnosis is going to work, it's going to work right away, not 20 visits later. And mm. sometimes a person who's a physicist or a mathematician, and these are true experiences, will do better with what 
what's called biofeedback, where they can relate to the wires and the gadgets because their mind is in the wires and the gadgets uh, mode. And I think that phenomenon also fits into a different ceremony to uh, get at the same concept. Mm, so there like are many that. ways to, to solve these problems. And I think it's important to have an open mind. Of course, there are people who say this is my method and this is the one that works and it's very different. And it, rather than get into these arguments and debates, which actually take you nowhere, it's better to say, this is what I can do. Let me show you what I can do. And we do it. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. And yes. that's a much more positive way to, to look at um, solving the problem. Yeah, I believe there's a, a teacher for every student and a healer for everyone that wants to be healed. It's just a matter of, I think, maybe opening our mind and, and trying some different things on to see how it fits. It's sort of like shopping or going to a buffet. Try different things. What fits for you? Because we are all unique. And um, yeah, I think that's part of the fun of being human. Absolutely. And, that, and, that, and part of um, therapy is that the therapist needs to have somewhat of an, a rich imagination and a, a rich toolbox to know how to move with, with the person who they're with, the personality strengths, the personality assets. And oftentimes the therapy, and you, you know this as well as I do, has been one size fits all. And this is my method. And to me, that is so antiquated. And basically, in many instances, it's not therapeutic because you just talk to the people who spent three years or four years doing the same kind of talk therapy. And for some folks, it holds them together. Just yeah. like in some situations, medication management really works well for certain uh, mental uh, issues where talk therapy is not going to be that effective. But basically... Yeah. We try first to use a short-term approach. It helps take the stigma out of mental health care because you can just know you're going for a short-term uh, problem-solving situation as opposed to just being in it almost for life. Right. Uh, and it, uh, oftentimes the therapy ends when the person decides to leave. And oftentimes they really like the therapist, but they're just going over the same story. What did you do this week? How did you feel this week? And I'm not trying to put it down because for some folks it's very helpful. But uh, if someone can identify a specific problem or two problems or three problems, and you can develop a thoughtful cognitive strategy, and I use my learning philosophizing philosophizing an action technique, which is my simplification of cognitive behavior therapy, uh, which people can understand more readily, to try and circumscribe the problem and get someone into resolving it. Most of the people I see um, are motivated, and they're not going to go into this yes, but thing, yes, but thing, and just takes that much longer to get Yeah, it keeps you real stuck place. when you got the yeah, buts. It keeps you kind of like just entrenched, and, and you don't move when you've got the yeah, buts. So I, and I think just you're absolutely to, right. And, and the, the use of medications, medications in, in the mental health field, like in many fields of medicine, started to burgeon in the 50s and uh, 60s and 70s. And just like infectious diseases were treated so much better with the medications available and blood pressure medications and heart medications just improved our life. The same tr is true with the um, mental health medications. Uh, the revolutionary medications, although not perfect and not always curing everything, but a great deal of medical care is not always curing something. 
a great deal of medical care is making something better. And oftentimes you're lucky if you get a cure, but that's not quite true in many infectious diseases where the antibiotics take care of it. But the point is the breakthroughs of the 50s and the 60s uh, with antipsychotic medicines, with uh, uh, mood stabilizers for the bipolar disorder, with antidepressant medications, um, were really very substantial. And they've made many, many lives richer, and they've allowed people to function well in, in society. So there's a real place for medication management, as, as well as there's a real place, in my view, for short-term therapy for other specific problems where you can use these techniques. And for the consumer to also know what it is they're getting into when they seek um, a mental health uh, solution to a problem. Just like you sort of know what you're getting into when you uh, reach out for other medical problems, or as I said earlier, uh, legal problems or accounting problems, you kind of have a sense of where you're going. And the same thing applies to short-term therapy techniques. Absolutely. Well, we just have a couple minutes left, Dr. London. You want to tell people where they can grab a copy of your book or find out more about you and what you do and how maybe you can help them. The book is Find Freedom Fast, and it's uh, for sale on Amazon. There is a website called findfreedomfast.com. And I do have a personal website, which is drrobertlondon.com, which lists about the last 10 or 12 years of newspaper columns I've written uh, on anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, the interface of um, medicine and psychiatry. So, And those are easily accessible. So it's Amazon, findfreedomfast.com, or my personal website, drrobertlondon.com. And the book will outline some of the uh, problems I discussed, some vignettes, some composites of stories, and hopefully it'll give people a lot of insight and teach them how to be a good consumer mm-hmm. to get uh, short-term care first, if that's going to work. And yeah, that's I enjoyed I kind it. And devoted most, most of my work. Yes, yeah. I enjoyed okay. it thoroughly, and that's why I wanted to feature you today and have this conversation so that we could share you with our listeners and friends. So to my soul siblings, to my awesome people, thank you for spending some time with us here on Journey to Center and Empower Radio. I appreciate you immensely. So take good, gentle care of yourself and just know that you are loved. You're surrounded by angels, seen and unseen. You're in our hearts. You're in our prayers. Take care of yourself. Onward and upward. Bye for now.